This is Review and Preview on the Wave, the sound of LIU. Good evening and welcome to Review and Preview, folks. I am your host, Tom Scavetta, joined alongside Mike Dawes, Kyle Earhart. Welcome back to LIU recent graduate Chris Klimazewski. Glad to be back. Really happy to be back on the air. We welcome Chris back, and we also remind you that this is our final show in May. It's almost June. That is insane. Uh, Stay tuned. We have our live show tonight airing from 8 to 10 p.m. on liuwave.org. You can also subscribe and listen to our podcast on anchor.fm slash review and preview in case you can't tune into the whole show. Call in number, questions, thoughts, comments, want to take part in our live show? That's easy. 516-299-2030. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We're going to talk about the Mets, followed by the Yankees, some MLB news, a Stanley Cup final insight, talk about some our team of the week's review game six of the eastern conference finals talk about last night's game one of the nba finals and preview what's to come some M- some nba and nfl news okay so let's get right into it the mets currently two games under 500 six games back of the division in third place through the first two months of the season let's recap their series this past weekend guys so they play the tigers Lost a crazy game on Friday, 9-8. to Syndergaard, typical Syndergaard, uh, you know, horrible. Gave the lead back three times in this game. And it was a typical Syndergaard outing. Why? Five and a third, nine strikeouts, six runs, ten hits. Terrible. He's been terrible this whole offseason. And what, what should anger Mets fans is like what you just said, Tom. This is a typical Noah Syndergaard start. This shouldn't be. For this season, it is. But it shouldn't be a typical Noah Syndergaard start. We should be seeing what we what we are expecting from Noah Syndergaard, like a, a low three, high two ERA, and a bunch of strikeouts. And we're not getting that this year. It's He's been he's been awful. Yeah. Um, now, I know he's supposed to be the number two starter of this team, but, I mean, it's very unfortunate right now. He's throwing, like, a number four, number five guy. I mean, Mike, I mean, everyone, including DeGrom, has had an off year. Yeah, I'm, I remember those debates, who's the Mets ace, Syndergaard or DeGrom. Those were those were fun times. But, I mean, yeah, just like you said, this high whip, like low winnings pitch, it's just it's not going well for Noah Syndergaard. No, and this seems like the true. this seems like the true Noah Syndergaard. Unfortunately, I don't think this is the true Noah Syndergaard. I feel like we're getting a bit of like Matt Harvey esque right now. What we saw, you know, we saw him dominate his first couple of years in the league, and then we saw Matt Harvey get to like almost like this point. And we don't want we don't want Matt we don't want the same thing that we saw Matt Harvey to happen to Noah Syndergaard. I really hope he does pick it up. He's one, he's my favorite player, but it's not looking good right now for Noah Syndergaard. I completely agree with you. Now, Kyler Hart, in this game one, we saw Hetcheveria, the guy the Mets just brought up recently, three-run bomb in this game. He actually did it twice this past week. And then another new Met, Aaron Alther, hits a bomb to left field solo shot in this game. Why are these no-name guys coming up and having so much success in this Detroit series in particular? 
probably because they're playing the Detroit Tigers. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Detroit Tigers aren't world beaters. We know that. They're one of the worst teams in the American League. But uh, I don't. it's weird because Danny Hedgevaria has been a great signing so far for the Mets. Even though last night I couldn't pronounce last week couldn't pronounce his name, I learned pronounced it. But uh, he's been a, he's been a great signing. He has. Yeah, he's looked really good. And all these guys between him, uh, Carlos Gomez and Aaron Altair have looked pretty decent for the Mets right now. They have. This slides into Game Two. The Mets win a close game. Remember, all these games are pretty close in the series. All three of them. Game Two, the Mets win five four. And Mike, all five RBIs come from the catcher position. Four RBIs from starting catcher Wilson Ramos went three for four. Then, of course, the game-winning hit in the bottom of the 13th inning. You know, a typical Mets game goes in extra innings. Tomas Nito. Crazy, huh? I mean, they've been getting big hits from just, should I say, like, bums? Because yeah. it feels like it. They, no, it's, I it's mean, the no-name guys on the team. Yeah. It's just absolute clutch hitting from these guys. So to get those RBIs from Tomas Nito is just crazy. Well, one RBI, but <laughs> <laughs> Tomas Nito has been crazy, that's for sure. Now, Kyle, Kyle um, Vargas, he started this game surprisingly well. I mean, look, he just went five innings uh, and had one run and five hits, but this translated into uh, last night's outing. I mean, Vargas, over his last two to three starts, he's looking like first-half form of 2017 and second-half form of last season. I mean, this is obviously a plus, considering the Mets this season haven't really got the consistent starting pitching they'd hope they would get. The only consistent starting pitcher right now, I guess you'd say, would be Steven Matz. And second would probably be what? I guess Vargas? Because even DeGrom hasn't been consistent, which is surprising. Wheeler's been all right. He hasn't been consistent. Yeah, that's you know? true. Yeah, but, and, this, right. and this is what we, we were expecting from... Jason Vargas, we, expe- we weren't expecting him to go deep into games. We weren't expecting him to go seven innings, eight innings. Five innings is where we, and like, and we saw it last year, too, like Tom just said, the second half of last year. He was pretty good the second half of last year. So if we can get this right now, and hopefully he's finding his form right now, I think it'll be solid to have him there. But it's like you said, like, Stephen Matz has been the most consistent pitcher when in recent years he's kind of been not good. We need... The Mets need Jacob DeGrom and Syndergaard to step up huge and be and be the guys that they we know they are. And this is where my bold statement comes into play. Vargas is not a terrible pitcher. He's an inconsistent pitcher. Uh, there's times where he has been terrible. Yes, we know that. There's been the typical James Vargas start, you know, uh, five minutes after the game starts, the game's over. There's no purpose of watching it. And then there's those other games he gives up a run or two and he's out there for six, seven innings. Great. That's the Vargas we like to see. Now, outside of that, the real disappointment this season has been the starting pitching. This was supposed to be the team's strength, and it clearly has not. Now, I understand there's a lot more pressure on these guys when you have guys like Cano, Lowry, Cespedes, and Nimmo all out with injuries, but it shouldn't be an excuse because this was a similar scenario last year where everybody was hurt and Nimmo became that guy and the Mets couldn't produce runs for their pitchers. Now it's, I wouldn't say it's the opposite, but it's de- it's definitely leveraging in the other direction. Yeah, no, I mean, they've just been inconsistent here. And like you said, everyone everyone's hurt every year for this team. They should probably know what to do by now. Yeah, and it's it's funny the way it is, too, because you can't, it's, you talk about inconsistency. It's either, you know, the Mets either get p- real good pitching one night but no, but the, there's no hitting. Yeah. Or you know you're gonna get all the hitting, 
but you pitch the pitching stinks. There's exactly. no there's no happy medium for the Mets. There is no happy medium, which translates into Game Three. Yeah, uh, a game the Mets won the rubber game in the series four to three. It was all because of a four run fourth inning. Other other than that, again, no offense. The second three run homer in this series, as Kyle Earhart wrote in our script, Hatcheveria again. <laughs> Let's compare uh, the tale of the tape here. Hatcheveria since coming up for the Mets, three homers, ten RBIs. Cano, this whole season, three homers, 13 RBIs. What do you think about that? It's kind of embarrassing. for me. I would be embarrassed if I was Robinson Cano, honestly. Kyle? W- would yeah. you be? Yeah, no. Chris Lane on the head, I'd be embarrassed too. A guy who's been in the league for 10-plus years. I know he got busted for steroids last year, but... He's still on. Robinson Cano. Yeah, right? like, he, he still knows he didn't forget how to hit, did he? I mean... I mean, clearly he did. Every well, second baseman, I feel like the Mets get like remember uh, Almar Jr. All those second, all those second bases. It's just it's just ridiculous. I feel like the Mets are just cursed at second base. And I mean, when the Mets made this trade, we figured at least I did we'd have at least a year and a half, two good years of Cano. We've gotten no good Cano. I predicted at the beginning of the season. I was like, you know what? We're gonna hit Cano's gonna hit like you know two sixty crack twenty five plus home runs, which would have been fine. I would have been okay with that. Sure. Well, we're not. We're not even getting anything close to that. Honestly, you're not. Yeah. So un- unless he turns, yeah, unless he turns it up second half of the season, I mean, this has kind of been a bad trade because even Edwin Diaz hasn't looked that good either. He hasn't. Lo- well, he had his worst outing of his life. Yeah, but he he's not the the lights out guy we thought he was going to be. You know, he came in as one of the best right hand closers in baseball, and now he's looking like just an average closer. Yes. Uh, now, but the Mets did come away. They're, they're still finding ways to win mm-hmm. because these no-name guys are making plays. And you talked about, yes, Vargas and Mets have been producing quality starts. They have been producing excellent work in terms of the top three of this rotation have not. So what, is, what does this mean for the Dodgers series? Four-game slate during the week that ended last night, a series that everybody's saying, if we split the Dodgers, they're in pretty good shape because then you'd be sitting there only one game under five hundred now. In this series, guys, the Mets bullpen clearly overmatched by the Dodgers hitting in Game 1. They lost 9-5 to to Grom. Uh, I don't know if you want to call it a quality start. He only went five innings, two runs, seven hits. The bullpen was where it really fell apart, though. Uh, Seven runs and ten hits through three innings and just one strikeout. Uh, Yeah, is this a problem? I think so. Clearly a problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're... Three out of your four quality bullpen pitchers are on the I.L. In Drew Smith, who's out for the year with Tommy John, Seth Lugo, and Justin Wilson. Justin Wilson has been the most consistent bullpen pitcher this year. Him and Seth Lugo, those two guys, and they're both hurt. I think something that happened actually 20 minutes before he came on the air, Tom, I think Seth Lugo is back in... Uh, activated from the IL tonight. He is. So he will. he's available tonight, I guess, which is a, a huge plus. Because his oh, bullpen's yeah. a joke. Now, can I ask you guys a serious question? Why has Seth Lugo not started this season? Why are they going with the guy like Wilmer Font, trade from Tampa Bay, when you know you have an experienced spot starter in Seth Lugo, who has been pretty consistent? I mean, maybe they want to stretch his arm out again. I don't know. Yeah, that's what I was... Maybe they're committed to the bullpen role for him. Yeah, but, that's what I was thinking. Like, they're committed for him just to stay in the bullpen. They don't want to, you know, I guess overwork him. And possibly him resulting in getting injured, which I mean, yeah, he just was. But I mean, I guess if you put him in the, if you keep switching him out from you know spot start to back to the bullpen, it kind of it'll put wear and tear on the arm, which I guess they don't want to do. Because if if not, you also have Robert uh, Giselman, too, who has also been a starter in the past. So 
You could you could have used him, but I think they, for those two guys, you know what you have with them in the bullpen. So I think they just want to keep them there and try and reserve their arms as much as they can. My 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 thing is I agree with you guys a hundred percent. At the same time, I think the benefits of possibly going that route outweigh the consequences in terms of where it's not in the end of the world if you spot start Seth Lugo because just saying because look what Wilmer Font did in two starts it was not pretty yeah and I'm just saying like that could have possibly cost us two games but uh so the Mets lost the first game of this series um again the only bright spot was the bench Hetchbury had three hits in this game and then J.D. Davis had a, uh, had a pair of ribbies but Hetchbury has been good since coming up and then game two a game that the Mets really needed. They win, they win it 7-3. Uh, Conforto, his first career Grand Slam. Bravo, shout out to the 2017 All-Star in the seventh inning. Five RBIs in this game for Mike. Uh, throughout his career, I'm going to be honest, he's, he's hit a lot better on the road than he has at home. I feel like that's been an ongoing trend for you know since he's been up here, since 2015 as a rookie, back when he was 22, when he was a bench player for that World Series run. Yeah, I mean, to, to be fair, City Field's also a very hard ballpark to hit in. Very true. Uh, a lot of batters complain about it because the the, uh, the size, the length, the dimensions of the City Field. But Pitcher's ballpark. It's, you know, if Conforto could keep doing what he's been doing, stop getting hurt, I think we have a serious hitter on this team, a good contact hitter. And at the end of the day, whether you know the Mets are still buyers or sellers of the trade deadline, I think the Mets still have a core they can still build around with this young team with Alonzo and Conforto. McNeil. McNeil. Oh yeah, that's without a doubt, and that that's what Mets fans knew when they were coming into the season because you saw them sign like the older guys, like you saw them make the trade and get Robinson Cano, you saw them get Jed Lowry, so you knew they were just they're trying to build around these young guys, even with Jeff McNeil, Conforto, Nimmo, all these guys, you could definitely still build around them, and they they still have a lot of untapped talent, not untapped, but they still have a lot of potential. To be great players, and we see that with Conforto. We definitely see that with Alonzo and McNeil, and even Rosario. I mean, he's having he's hitting a little better this year. Yeah, I, Rosario's been good, I think. And you know, game two of this game two, Todd Frazier getting into the offense. The last thirteen games, guys, Todd Frazier is hitting three twenty eight. I mean, this is a lot more than anybody could have ever hoped for in Todd Frazier, uh, the Todd father. He is producing. He is hitting well. He's still cool. Oh, yeah. It's about time. He's, he is definitely still bad, but I mean, he's at least because a couple years ago he was bad and didn't hit home runs. At least he's bad in hitting home runs. So that helps. He's only he's only got three home runs though. I mean, I mean, he just got back. He also just came up like, uh, this this month. But you know, I will say this to piggyback off of what you guys were talking about before. Matt's has been the best. Oh yeah, uh, six innings pitched, two runs, four hits, six Ks. Mets take game two, game three. So if you watch this game in New York on the East Coast, you're going to bed. Mets are up three runs heading into the last inning of the game. You wake up the next morning, and you see a loss. And you're like, well, what could have transpired in this game? Everything. Look, I'm not saying they blew an 8-5 to lead. They blew an 8-3 to lead in the bottom of the seventh. The only reason why they got this lead Three hits from Dom Smith in this game. Two home runs from Pete Alonzo. Absolute rockets. Fun fact. Pete Alonzo has tied Mark McGuire. Mark McGuire. The Mark McGuire for the MLB rookie record of 19 home runs before June 1st. 
It's cool. We got a Hall of Famer. Not to mention, <laughs> not, not, not to mention that Alonzo was also on pace for 180 strikeouts this year. But <laughs> I guess you'll uh, reap the benefits Look, of that. Yeah, one. if he's in, if he's in 20, <laughs> he's home, a rookie. If he's, he's in 20 home runs before before June, sign me up. I'll oh, take yeah, it for sure. I'll take it any day of the week. I don't care how many uh, times he strikes. And then Hatchery again, guys. Two hits, two RBIs. This has come out of nowhere. This has been a quite pleasant surprise, but. This transpires into the seventh and the eighth inning, where the Dodgers get two more runs. It's eight five. Bottom of the ninth, Edwin Diaz, second blown save of the season, uh, gives up five extra base hits, including two home runs. Guys, this was a guy who had fifty seven saves last year, and the Mets lose nine to eight. Yeah, uh, he, what he happened hit, in, in this last inning, guys? Break it down. If you want me to, just, I guess, I guess it got everything got caught up to. Edwin Diaz. I mean, I just don't know what to say. I mean, Edwin, this is the this is the exact sole reason why you traded for a guy like Edwin Diaz, so you don't have to tight walk, tightrope walk with Jerry's Familia as your closer. You get Edwin Diaz. You know he's solid. You know how good he is. He's so young too. That's why you gave up Kalenic and Dunn, and then he just does this. Like I get it. Like you're going against one of the hottest the hottest hitting lineups in baseball, but this is why you were brought into the Mets and. And there's people out there like I'm not going to name names, Kyle Russo, who blames <laughs> Mickey Callaway for wow. not for for not taking out Diaz. But like, what do you want the Mets to do? What do you want Tyler Bashler to come in the game? Do, do you want Wilmer Font to like? Oh, he's going to come in with bases loaded or for second and third with with zero outs. Like, he's your closer for a reason, man. He's your he's your probably best arm out of the bullpen. He's not going to bring in those two garbage guys to come in and try to save yeah, the day. Exactly. For you. I mean, look, I don't like Mickey Calloway as it is, but it's not his not his fault that Edwin Diaz is is doing this. I mean, it happens. You get it, but I mean, you you you're just a, as a Mets fan when you got when you saw Brody Van Wagen make this trade, you're expecting him to be lights out almost every time he goes out, and especially because he had no blown saves last year, you expect him to. Yeah, expect- is that a stat? He had no blown saves last year. I'm this pretty, is also the Mets now. I'm pretty sure he was perfect last year. Yeah. No, he's right. Wow, that's yeah, exactly. So, so like when you when you go perfect like that, you expect him to be lights out this year again. But to the Frankie effect, yeah, he's he's human after all. I mean, he he's gonna have a bad game eventually. Like it's it sucks that the you know the Mets you know lost. Uh, it got looked horrible, lost horribly. Look, that was a very bad loss. Yeah, I don't know why I see K Rod written all over this guy. To be honest, uh, well, K Rod's my favorite players of all time. Are you ripping K-Rod right now? <laughs> yes, Mike. That's my guy. I have three K-Rod shirts. <laughs> I feel sorry for you. Why am I not surprised? I, I love Frankie. My guy. <laughs> he was the most scariest closer I've ever watched. Game four of the series. <laughs> Mets are down 2-1. I, I don't like this K-Rod so Can they tie it? Vargas, another outstanding outing. Seven innings pitched. Uh, but the Mets can only get four hits off of Ryu. They lose 2 nothing. Kenley Jansen comes in, four out save. Dodgers take three out of the four from the Mets. So a game after you score eight runs, you get none. I mean, Ryu's also been probably the best pitcher in baseball. I he guess has, we could he's say the best five starter. He and I saw a set. He hasn't let up a, a home run like an earned run since last April. Not 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 April that just happened. Last April, which is pretty insane stat at home. Yeah, yeah. No, that's crazy. Crazy stat. Yeah. More crazier than your uh, fantasy team there? Well, let's not get carried away. My team's pretty good. Oh. So. <laughs> yeah. 
So let's talk about those Metropolitans. They head to Phoenix, Arizona, a place that I went to last year, Chase Field. I saw the opening game of that series where the Mets play the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, my cousins and my uncle will most likely be there tonight. Uh, Zach Attack back on the mound. Zach Wheeler, 4-3 and three on the season. Actually, uh, I believe he has the most wins tied with Mats out of any Mets starter. Uh, yep. Against, they're still... I don't know if the Diamondbacks announced the starting pitcher for tonight's game, but uh, as of a couple of hours ago, it was still to be determined. I think they're bringing up Duplanter. Yeah, that's what I saw. I mean, I don't know anything about that guy, but apparently he's a very young kid, and you know, he's yeah. They just brought him up to start <laughs> the game, uh, pretty much nine forty p.m. first pitch. So in about an hour and a half, hour twenty um, tomorrow. The Grom against Zach Granke. And Zach Granke, guys, 6-2 and two on the season. ERA well under 3. Pitching much better than the Grom. Uh, he's been very consistent, and, you know, you love the way he's been playing. And then, of course, Sunday, ugh, <laughs> you got Steven Matz, 4-3. and three. And for the Arizona Diamondbacks, you got Merrill Kelly, who was 4-6. and six. So... I mean, we'll see. This this needs to be a series that the Mets win. They need to win this series, hands down. Now, do you think? I know it's still early. It's just about to be. It's about to be the first uh, June's tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Do you think the Mets? Do you see the Mets either going out and signing uh, either Craig uh, Craig Kimbrell or Dallas Keuchel anytime soon? Just as like no, you don't think no, so? I don't think they'll do it. I feel like they would have done it already. I don't see the big thing about Keuchel. Uh, maybe Kimbrel, but none of these guys had spring trainings at this point. I don't see either one of them being great. Now, do you see the Mets going at the deadline? I know, like I said, I know it's June, only tomorrow, but do you see the Mets making a big move at the deadline? I don't know. Maybe trading Zach Wheeler would be That'd like the be move. If, it, it, if the Mets are like six, six games and then uh, like six, seven, eight games yeah. out of it, I mean, trading Zach Wheeler would be ideal. Because you get something back for him at the last year of his contract. No, I don't think they're going to, though. I feel like training Jimenez might be more valuable than do, to do so that. Like, how many more prospects do we want to trade at this yeah, point? Yeah, we, but you really don't the need... Is going to be a buyer at the deadline? Oh, I, but, I, but I feel like you, you don't really need Jimenez if you have we if you have Rosario, who's playing shortstop, and you can have McNeil playing second base for the next couple yeah, of years. You can't plan like that. It's crazy. Here's the problem. I think, guys, I, I think the starting pitching will eventually come into its own. Uh, so I hope so. This is this is really the make it or break it point, and also you know the sign of concern. People are saying, "Oh, well, the bench is out hitting the starters." Well, half your starters are on the IL. Let's be real here. Like, I mean, you just let Keon Broxton go. Thank goodness he's on those uh, porous Baltimore Orioles now, and you have solid quality bench players in Hetch, J.D. Davis. Dom Smith, who's been one of the best hitters in the league should this be a season, starter. yeah, he should be a starter. They they need to get him in that lineup more. You know, he just, he really wasn't getting many at bats, and uh, you know they're finally getting him in the outfield. Uh, you know, three sixty four average, uh, twenty hits and fifty five at bats. You know, for a kid who's turning twenty four this month, he's still a young buck. So. If only know. the NLDH rule was already in effect, we would have Alonzo and Dom Smith. Playing. Not to worry about it. Likely, they play the same position. Yeah. So, uh, okay. So, you look at the Mets and who's hurt right now. Obviously, the bullpen is decimated with injuries. You got Lugo, Drew Smith, Justin Wilson, Luis Avilan, and then you got McNeil Cano, 
You, th those are your two three hitters right there. And then you also got Nimmo, who started off the season as your leadoff hitter. Nimmo should be down in Syracuse when he comes back. He needs to, he needs a, a fresh start, in mm -hmm. my opinion. And then Jed Lowry, uh, apparently he had a setback, so who knows at this point? And you know, Cespedes, he can go back to Old Town Road. I really don't care. <laughs> um, worst contract, uh, almost as bad as Jason Bay. But on that note, we're going to step aside for a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the New York Yankees. They've had a couple of bad uh, weather breaks over the last week or so. You're listening to Review and Preview here on liuwave.org. This is Review and Preview here on The Wave, the sound of LIU. Welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. Joined alongside Mike Dawes, Chris Klimazewski, here tonight alongside Kyle Earhart. It's time to talk about the Yankees. They carry their 36-19 and record into the weekend, first place in the AL East. They're uh, currently a top-three record in baseball. It's a team that started out struggling. They still have all these injuries, yet they've managed to be one of baseball's elites. So last Friday, the Yankees had a, a postponed game against Kansas City. So instead, they have a doubleheader on Saturday. Yankees won the first game 7-3. Luke Voigt, a two-run bomb, 450 feet into left field. How good is Luke Voigt, really? I mean, is he is he the real deal? Is he their version of Pete Alonso? Because right now, I mean, I think New York has two excellent young first basemen that could potentially be the new faces of their respective ball clubs. I think Lavoie definitely is the real deal. Like you just add another power bat to that lineup with Judge when he gets back and Stanton. Like that that middle of the lineup, scary. It, if you're an opposing pitcher, you're, you're scared. Like that's insane, insane to have those. My three favorite guys. thing about Luke Voigt, they got him for Chase and Shreve. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I don't know who that is. To be exactly, just horrendous that, that's lefty the reliever. I just they stole him from the Cardinals. I mean, yeah, no, I think he's a building block. He oh, is, he's great. So do I. And at the beginning of the season, people were like, "Oh no, who do we pick? You know, is it going to be Greg Bird or Luke Voigt?" I was laughing in people's faces, and they're like, "Yeah, I'd rather have Greg Bird." I'm like, "Are you nuts? Luke Voigt is the real deal. He's going to be great, and especially because first of all, you got him for so cheap. He's not. He's not. He wasn't injured at all last year. He's not, and he's not Greg Bird. Like people love Greg Bird because he hit a home run in the playoffs." Ooh, like Luke Voigt is the real deal, and I think the Yankees can definitely build around this kid, especially like Kyle just said with Aaron Judge and Duhar and Torres in that lineup. Another young kid we got to talk about is Clint Frazier in the outfield. Two RBIs. Uh, you know, this was a game. Hap started. He was okay, but he, he did have the ten strikeouts. But it was really Voigt and Frazier that carried the load. Now, my question is this. Does Clint Frazier have a spot in the starting lineup in the long term in the future when everyone's back healthy? He should. He absolutely should. Where are you going to put him? You put him in center field. I mean, look, I mean, I look, I know you got Gardner and Hig a really crowded outfield with Stan and Judge there, but he's got to be, he's got to make his way into that lineup somehow. He's really good. He's yeah. a, and, he's, and he's a young talent, too. So, I mean, look, as much as Yankees fans might like Gardner in the lineup because, he's, you know, he's been the Yankee guy for the past 11 years. He's playing awful. 
Exactly. He's not playing good. Hicks is Hicks is all right, but Clint Frazier you can literally build around. If you can have him, Stanton, or even put Stanton on the D, uh, at, uh, at the DH and have Hicks, Frazier, and Judge in your outfield, that's a solid outfield right there. I, I, I think Clint Frazier will be traded for that starting pitcher, that really? number one starter the Yankees want, and know. Scherzer and Bumgarner. That's like, because everyone would want Clint Frazier. If you're trading with Giants for Bumgarner, if you don't want a stud like Clint Frazier, man, he'll definitely be in the deal. Now, see, look, the Yankees originally, I th- when, when the Yankees originally traded for Clint Frazier, I was like, oh, they got, this is easy. That was such a good trade, especially you're trading Andrew Miller for a guy who was a top prospect at the time in Clint Frazier, and he's proving time and time again when he's he's a hot player. He's really good. You can build around this guy. I don't think you need to trade him But at Hicks all. is their center fielder, so my only room that I make for Frazier in this lineup right now is he either plays third, which he did for <laughs> a little bit, or he plays in left field and UDH Stanton. you got Judge in right when everyone's healthy, and then Hicks in center. I I don't even think Clint plays third because where's DJ LeMahieu going to play second base and then when you that's have, where he started and, and, and then when and you have Glaber and then yeah. Glaber and they have Didi and Didi coming back Didi so, Glaber LeMahieu at third Void at first see, the, uh, these are good problems yeah. for the Yankees good problems to have yeah exactly these are good problems like if as Mets fans I'm pretty sure we would all love to have these kind of problems but <laughs> we have different problems yeah we have different problems some that make us mentally insane. Well, remember, but their problem. Remember the beginning of the year, we had a slight problem. We're like, "Where's McNeil going to play? Where's Frazier going to play? Where's Jed Lowry going to play? Where's, <laughs> yeah, where's Jed Lowry going to? Where's Cespedes going to play? So, Good thing those all took care of themselves. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yankees win the nightcap of the doubleheader as well against the Royals. They win six to five, squeeze past them. Chad Green started just one inning in this game. Chance Adams was also terrible. I'm sorry, but. Uh, three runs, five hits, and four innings. But Cameron Maven saves the day. Three RBIs and Austin Romine. Three hits, two ribbies. Again, this uh, a team assembled full of backups and fill-in players pretty much playing right now. Yeah. With the exception of a couple, few and far between, they're getting the job done. Yeah, I'd, I'll never forget like, listening to the radio and talking to Yankees fans. They're getting all nervous that, oh, no, Judge, Stanton, and all these guys are going down. That doesn't mean a thing. Just because some of your guys went down, you still have one of the better lineups in in baseball, even without those guys there, without Andujar, without Torres, and these guys. Oh, top ten easy. You still have like a top, yeah, like a top ten, top fifteen lineup. There's nothing to be worried about, and they're and they literally do have nothing to worry about. They're in first place. So one man we haven't mentioned yet, Gio Urshela. Yeah, him too. Coming out of nowhere. Three homers, twenty one ribbies, three thirty one average, and just forty five games. Yankees team is doing fantastic. He's got 45 hits in 45 games. He's averaging a hit per game. You know how hard that is to do, especially at his age? Especially in the Major League Baseball. And, like, all the great pitchers that there are now. It's, it's just they, they reload This guy has crazy people. the Induhar effect from last year. Yeah. So, game three of the series, the Yankees do lose 8-7. to seven. Just the second bad start of the year for Domingo Herman. If I'm not mistaken, he still leads the MLB in wins, or at the very worst, he's tied for the MLB League in wins right now. I mean, he was 9-1 and one heading into that start. Yeah, and he, I don't think he got the loss either for that start. No, he the didn't. Came he back. got a no decision. Yeah. But, yeah, he's still 9-1. and one. The next best pitchers are Verlander and Ryu, eight wins each. Wow, so if he won that game, that's 10 wins before June? Yep. Yeah, exactly. That's well, on pace for 30. 
Watch Whoa. out. <laughs> but the Yankees, their comeback effort was short-lived despite a two-run bomb by Hicks. Uh, it was not a beautiful day in the Glaberhood despite his home run in three ribbies. But the Yankees took two out of three from Kansas City, heading to San Diego this week. Uh, I could not stay up late for these games. Hank kept me up. I don't know how he did it. Um, <laughs> Yankees win 5-2. to two. Chad Green starts again, a solid first inning. The Yankees' bullpen was solid. Gary Sanchez, solo shot. Brett Gardner chipped in, a couple RBIs. The Boo Birds for Manny Machado from Yankee fans. A little... Uh, a little, little jealousy or just a little, uh, you know, like a... A little jealousy, I think. Uh, there were some Yankee fans that were calling up on the radio this week that were saying they want to see Machado slash the Yankees and go, like, hit, like, three home runs. Like, if, if you're a true Yankee fan, why do you want a guy that you didn't sign to slash your team and go and, like, hit, like, a 750 average for the series, hit three home runs and, like, five RBIs? Because those are the, those are the lunatic Yankee fans. Those are the same Yankee fans who were compla- complaining about, oh, my God, I can't believe we signed Giancarlo Stanton when he struck out ten times. Like, relax, okay? It's, it's like, it's like if you have a child, where are you going to play him anyway? It's like, like your team's already stacked. You don't need crazy. To, uh, Kyle Russo also said he wanted Machado. I, I bet he's one of those fans. Typical Kyle. Yeah, typical. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> game two, uh, after taking game one in this series, Yanks lose 5-4. Tanaka on the mound, four runs, nine hits. Uh, look, DJ LeMahieu was pretty much the offense of this game, a two-run homer. He's been the star of this team first two months of the season. A three thirteen average, five home runs, thirty RBIs, and he scored. He's crossed the plate thirty four times. Yeah, see, I don't see Yankee fans complaining about DJ LeMahieu now. So many did at the beginning because yeah. why? Because you didn't know who he was. Yeah, you didn't know who seriously, he was. like. DJ LeMahieu was a solid backup to have on your team. Well, he came from a low, uh, lower market. That, that's why. Yeah, exactly. Colorado. Colorado in yeah, Coors exactly. Field by a hitter's is, ballpark, by the way. Didn't he win a batting title with the Rockies? Yes. Yes. And now he comes to Yankee fans like, oh, he's a nice backup. God, I hate Yankee fans. <laughs> They're just the worst. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, as, as Met fans, like, they were complaining about having DJ LeMahieu as that backup. He's and look what he's doing now. The Mets. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to any Yankee fans currently watching our video, what do you think of DJ LeMahieu? Comment in our feeds if you wish. You guys uh, better like him. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, he was on my fantasy team last year. Loved he's great. It. He's I've always been old. a big LeMahieu fan. He's a big kid. He's 6'4". I mean, yeah, he's 30, but he, you know, he's still he's a lot more experienced than people think. Guys, he has over 1,000 career hits. He has almost 400 career RBIs. Backup? Yeah, and he was a really? backup. And a you, career average of two ninety nine. And you can see how good of a signing this was Ugh. by Brian Cashman because, you know, now you have Glaber Torres go down as a friend injured, and he's filling up the role very nicely. He's doing such a good job. Yep. So the Yankees come back in Game 3, 7-0 shutout of the Padres, James Paxton and his return off the injured list. James Paxton comes in and throws four hitless innings in his return. LeMahieu and Voigt, who else, go back-to-back off the rookie sensation Chris Paddock, who got in Pete Alonso's face after winning uh, Rookie of the Month for April. And uh, Chris Paddock had some beef with him, and apparently he's having some beef with the Bronx Bombers. Uh, Glaber Torres, also two hits and two ribbies. And, man... It's just, it's it's crazy. It's crazy what the Yankees have been able to do. 
not only did they take the Royal Series, they took the Padres Series, a team highlighted by these, you know, good players, Chris Paddock, Manny Machado, Eric Hosmer. The, you know, the Padres are no sleepaway team. And you look at who's picked up the slack. You know, we talked about Frazier a little bit. We talked about Gio Urshela, uh, DJ LeMahieu, Luke Voigt. What about Gary Sanchez, the guy who leads the team with 17 home runs? Set 17. Yeah, it, it, it's a team. Like, baseball's a team sport, and it's next man up mentality. And it's every other, it's like every night we're talking a new player. Like, a new player steps up for the Yankees. And again, this, again, big question mark at the beginning of the season, Gary Sanchez. And so many Yankee fans were like, is he going to do the same thing again? No, he's not, because he's Gary Sanchez, okay? He's a great catcher. He's, I wouldn't say great. He's a very good catcher. That's like your second Yankee fan impersonation. So yeah, look, okay. I've, I've had people talk to me firsthand and say they hate Gary Sanchez. He gives no effort. He's not a good player. All he does is hit. Which, that was all true. Yeah, it's fine. Honest, He gives no effort, and he, all he does is hit. But, again, there's something to be said for that. That's fine. Exactly. I'm looking at their, I'm looking at their, their bullpen stats right now. It's incredible. They have three guys with a sub-two ERA. Tough. Oh, you know what tough. else has been incredible? Glaber Torres. Nine home runs in May. For the second straight year. And I think, what, five of those, six of those against the Orioles, probably? They play the Orioles oh, like yeah. ten times Well, this to month. be fair, the Yankees <laughs> have had a very favorable schedule yep. the two months. But you don't control who's on your schedule. You play who's on the schedule, you win, or you lose. That's what happens in baseball. Like, I'm looking at the stats for this team, and it's just not fair being a Mets fan. Like, their worst hitter is Brett Gardner. I would love Brett Gardner on the Mets. Uh, I mean, I guess. Uh, okay, so <laughs> yeah, uh, let's, let's, uh, let's preview this series uh, over the weekend against the Boston Red Sox. Of course, last night's game was postponed, and they are currently in action right now. The first game of the weekend series, uh, Chris Sale tossing against J.A. Happ. The Yankees currently lead this game 3-1. to one. I believe this game is in the bottom of the fifth inning. Red Sox went up one nothing early, but the Yankees had a three-run third to give them the lead. Aaron Hicks, a couple of RBIs, and DJ LeMahieu as well. Uh, great. Great. And Gio Urshela, two for two already. I mean, you look at the Yankees lineup. LeMahieu's over 300. Torres, you know, a little under 300. Gio Urshela's hitting 341. Even Brett Gardner. Chris, you said Brett Gardner, the worst Yankees hitter. 246. Yeah, exactly. I would love that on the Mets. Uh, Hap so far, five innings pitched, just one run, three hits, five Ks. He did give up uh, a home run in this game. That home run was hit by Devers early on, the third baseman for Boston. He's been fantastic. This yeah, season. he's been like 327. Yeah, he's exactly. killing it. Uh, and then, you know, in this series, you get to tomorrow – uh, it'll be Porcello against Herman trying to get back on track. That'll be a 7.15 p.m. start for Game 2. Then Game 3, you got David Price on Sunday going up against CC Sabathia. That game's actually Sunday night at 7.05. Uh, then when, do we know when this fourth game's getting made up? Probably uh, not for... Uh, not for a while, I don't think. Yeah, I would imagine not for a while. Maybe, maybe the London series. Oh, I was somebody, about to say that. How somebody said how, August the other day. How ridiculous is that that the Yankees and or even the MLB is going overseas and to play in England? Just like, like it's just I, ridiculous. Like I get like when they did that like years ago when they did it in Japan. Like they did the opening series in Japan. But I get it. Like baseball's big in Japan. Like 
Baseball's not big in London, yeah, is it? Not, I mean, I, no. I I don't think it is. It's, it's hard. By the way, the made-up game will be August 3rd. Okay. So it'll be a 4 o'clock start. But, um, yeah, and you look at the Yankees' injuries, guys. Miguel and Duhar. You got Barrett now. Patances, just close to returning. Greg Bird. Kobe Ellsbury, of course. Didi, who could possibly return on their next road trip. Ben Heller. Aaron Judge, still a few days away. Lasaja. Montgomery, CC returning this weekend. Luis Severino, Giancarlo Stanton, and Troy Tulowitzki. You know what? Despite all these troubles, no team is perfect. You play winning baseball, you're having a good season. That's what the Yankees are doing. That's what the Mets got to try to start doing themselves. Mike, you watching the game there? Yeah, I got the Cardinals money line, and I missed what happened here, but... Up 1-0 early, so that's we'll, good. Uh, we'll talk about some MLB news right after this break. You're listening to Review and Preview here on The Wave, the sound of LIU. This is Review and Preview here on The Wave, the sound of LIU. Good evening, and welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. Chris is feeling it. We're feeling it here in the studio. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta, joined alongside Chris Klimazuski with a bad reputation. Welcome back. Kyle Earhart, Mike Dawes, as talking about your shirt there, of course. Thank you. Uh, Got to rip my girl. Ronda Rousey, yeah? Got to rip my girl. Exactly. All right. So let's get some MLB news. Very unfortunate news. Bill Buckner dies at 69 years old on Monday. He actually won the 1980 batting title. He played in an all-star game. 2,715 career hits. Uh, thank you, Bill Buckner. Yeah, I think, yeah. you know what's crazy? And he, the, Bill Buckner actually was a good player. Like, but he'll be, he'll always be remembered as the guy who let the ball go through his legs in the 1986 Game 6 World Series against the Mets, which is sad to say because he really, if you really, if you take that out, he was a good baseball player. He was. A very, an above average baseball player. Uh, before we go any further, DJ LeMahieu solo bomb. <laughs> Again, <laughs> the Yankees up four one. Just out of nowhere. Uh, crazy man, crazy. That's his sixth was, home run. Was, was that season. off sale? Oh yeah, sales having not, not sales He's not having one in six. Not having a good year. About to be one in seven. Red he, Sox in general not having a good year. ERA is well over four. The Red Sox are somehow over five hundred now, but I mean they're still limping. Uh, you know, we're getting close. I'm pretty sure we're at least a third of the way through the season now. Yeah, I guess so, the World Series hangover. Yeah, they, that always happens to them after the after our World Series. They just stink oh. it up the next year. Yep, they've been dealing with some injuries as well. Mitch Moreland back on the IL with a back injury. He's actually turned into a nice bat for them this season at first mm-hmm. base. He's got uh, about 13, 14 home runs over 30 ribbies, and they're definitely missing his bat right now. Another good team in the Houston Astros. They're missing uh, Carlos Correa now. Ten uh, day IL. Did, did you hear how he got injured? Supposedly I he got not. he got injured by a masseuse. A masseuse. What? That's that's what the Astros are saying. The masseuse injured him by like it broke a couple of his ribs giving him a massage. <laughs> Which I don't know if that's true or not. Trying to cover up something he did maybe didn't do. Uh, that's that's the rumor. First of all, if, if if they are covering it up, you gotta come up with a better <laughs> lie than a masseuse broke his ribs. I mean, yep. come on. That's that's what it is. He must have been talking to Ioannis Cespedes. <laughs> that's uh, we didn't. Even, I'm glad we didn't get into that when we talk about the Mets. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Correa, fractured hip, four to six weeks. Yikes. Um, the Oakland Athletics, another team in the Astros division, a team that has been playing very well. They were on a 10-game winning streak this week. They saw that end on Wednesday. And, man, fun fact, you know, you want to talk about weird in baseball. Uh, and, oh, my, yeah, this game between the San Francisco Giants and the Baltimore Orioles at Camden Yards right now. They're currently in the bottom of the fourth inning, but there were 11 runs scored in the first inning. Jeez. Orioles scored six, and the Giants scored five. And fun fact, WCWP's very own Ryan Kraut drove down to Camden Yards to watch the Orioles play the San Francisco Giants. Jeez. <laughs> Not used to Ryan Kraut. used to 11 runs in the first uh, inning. But, yeah, the score is currently 8-6. to six Don't should have bet game. the over on that. Orioles with the lead <laughs> in the fourth inning. Man, I mean, I just I was looking at the scores and I saw it. I'm like, whoa! Yeah, I'd do a double take on that. Jeez, eleven runs. Is... Yeah, I mean, other than that, there really hasn't been much scoring so far tonight. You know, except for maybe uh, the Tigers Braves game. There has been much scoring. Everything's one one, one nothing, or no score. Oh well, the Reds game. Well, the Reds two thousand nine two. had to get that in. Yeah. I, I missed that one. Darn. Okay, so <laughs> the Tampa Bay Rays have an all-time worse attendance versus the Blue Jays. The attendance has been down significantly from years past. Is this an issue? I mean, I feel like it's a silly question because clearly it is. What is the issue? I don't. Yeah, I don't know what the issue is because it's not like the Rays are a bad team. They're good, like they're very good actually. And they have, like, some decent players, too. It's not like they, like Austin Meadows is great. Tyler Glasnow, when he wasn't hurt, has been a phenomenal pitcher. Blake, Blake, Snell. Blake Snell, Cy Young winner. Charlie Morton. Charlie Morton's been good. Like, you have good players down there for Tampa Bay. It's just, I, it's been a real decline since they made the World Series in 08. They're on a six-game winning streak. They're 35-19. and 19. They're half a game out of first place. Yeah. I mean, you think people would care. Yeah. It's it's weird. I don't I, I don't get it. I guess everyone down there is just a Yankee fan because you know every New Yorker goes down to Florida to live when they retire. So. Well, it's, yeah, it's the same thing. <laughs> it's the same thing when when the Mets go down to play the Marlins. Yeah. You get more Mets fans than you do Marlins fans. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really weird that the Tampa like because like like we just said the Rays are a good team, very good team. They are. They're currently tied three to three with the MLB best Minnesota Twins. Uh, MLB they're good best again? record. <laughs> Didn't even know of thirty-seven and eighteen for the Minnesota Twins. Wow. And speaking of the Minnesota Twins, Chris, you will find this pretty funny. Okay, the Minnesota Twins have an MLB best one hundred and six home runs through fifty-four games. Wow, one hundred and six home runs through fifty-four. Last year, the Yankees had two sixty-seven. Twins are on pace to crush that record. And you look at the Twins, top to bottom, thirty-seven and eighteen. Who have been the premier players for them? Well. There's been a lot. Uh, in particular, C.J. Crone, who yeah. I believe he played for Tampa Bay last year. I forget, but yeah. I believe he did. He has been fantastic. He's been hitting a lot of dingers. You also got to talk about Eddie Rosario, 17 home runs, 47 RBIs. Crone, as I mentioned, with 13. Max Kepler. Jonathan Scoop. Nelson Cruz. Polanco, Garver. I mean, the problem is these are no-name guys. Look at what these guys are hitting. Their shortstop, Jorge Polanco, 335. 25 years old. Meh. Oh, it gets better. 
Mitch Garver, 329. Yeah, I, I honestly, who I've are never, these guys? I was going to say, I've never heard of these guys before. I mean, I heard of Blanco, a Blanco, obviously. Of course. But some of these other guys I've never even heard of. Like, mm-hmm. They're not even like Miguel Sano. Well, you know what it is? I, I think they're, they're, they're pitching, and it's kind of what's uh, doing them well right now. I mean, you got Jose Berrios, Jake Odorizzi, Perez. I mean, you, you got three starters that are seven and two. Yeah, or is, that, is that Perez? Martin Perez? Yes. Yikes. Oh yeah, that's him. Oh yeah. Lefty. <laughs> oh, that's Seven and two. Wow, he's he stinks in previous years. Yeah, and then you got Kurt Gibson at five and two. So Kurt again, the, these are guys, these are average pitchers, well, except for Berrios, but you know, he's a young gun. Yeah, Ordorizzi's always been average when he was on the Rays. But now it seems that he's he's definitely skyrocketed to uh, above average. He has for sure. So, question to you guys: Who is your MLB Player of the Week? I got mine. I got mine. I just gotta pull up the screenshot I took. So yep. mine, I'm going first. Mine is Malik Smith. Oh, you think who? He got sent down the AAA. Came back, has six stolen bases in four games. Nice. Oh yeah, good for him. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my man, Austin Meadows, off the Tampa Bay Rays. He's been killing it this whole week. He's had four multiple games in a row where he's had two or more hits. He's uh, he's had two home runs this whole, two home runs this whole week. Three home runs if you count on Sunday, too. And right now, he already, in today's game, he has a walk, a run, and a, and a stolen base. Hey, Chris, he has a 519 average in his last seven games. Yeah, this kid's amazing. It's on my fantasy team. He is phenomenal. He's up there. Yeah. He's killing it this whole year. I'm so happy he's on my fantasy team, too. But, yeah, <laughs> this kid, Austin Meadows, is having an amazing, amazing year. He's my player of the week. Kyle? My player of the week is going to be Nolan Arenado. He uh, every game he's played this week, he's got at least one hit. Uh, last Saturday, he had th- a three-run bomb against the Orioles. Yeah, he's got six RBIs so far this week. So yeah, I like that pick. You've all have had fantastic picks so far. Uh, my pick, you know, I'm gonna stay with hitting like you guys did. Uh, I'm gonna go Howie Kendrick uh, from the Washington Nationals, their third baseman. He has led the MLB in batting. Over the last week, he's hitting 643 with two homers, eight RBIs, nine hits, and 14 at bats. So have yourself a day, Howie good. Kendrick. I was, see you have them up right now. No, you do not. You have the Cardinals game. You know, I gave up on that Nationals game. Unfortunately. Hilarious. I will give an honorable mention, though, to David Boat from the Cubs. He's been pretty good. He has the second best average in the major leagues over this past week. He's been pretty, pretty fantastic. But yeah, I like Chris's pick the best. Austin Meadows, three homers, eleven RBIs, five nineteen average. My second, my my second player would have been uh, Josh Bell, because he, yeah, he's been killing it just as well as uh, Meadows has. This kid, he's MVP candidate right now. He's an MVP candidate for the NL. I like Nolan Arenado a lot as well. He's probably going to be an all-star for the Colorado Rockies. He's got like 337 right now, too. Arenado, second most RBIs in the major leagues over this past week. Three, three, 336 on the season. Yep, 336. Yep. i tell you, 6-2. Good size for a third baseman. So, let's get some hockey. 
Stanley Cup finals are on their way. Uh, we have all our predictions in, except for Chris and Mike. Last week, when James and Kyle Russo were on the show, they both picked Boston in five. I picked Boston in six. Kyle Earhart took uh, a different route and picked the Blues in seven. in seven. Now, before we get to our picks, the St. Louis Blues were the worst team in hockey. Not the West. The whole National Hockey League back on January 3rd. Now they're in the, they're, they're in the Stanley Cup Finals. On that note, Mike? Well, on that note, when they were the worst team, there's this noted person who bet $400 when them to win the Stanley Cup. <laughs> that ticket is worth hundred grand. So he is three wins away from making hundred grand. Is that you? No, I won't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, man. I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I thought you were going to be like, you know, Ed Psych. No, that was me. Yeah, but uh, I, originally, I definitely rooting Blues. I would have said Blues in seven, but since he said it, I'll say Bruins in seven. I'm also going to agree with Kyle. I'm going to say Blues in seven. Oh, yes. Yes. I like the Blues, man. I like the Blues. Wow. Okay. Well, look, I'm, I'm going to give them this. Craig Brew, fantastic job as the interim head coach. The head coach gets fired. Jordan Bennington, best goalie since the 2019 calendar year. Uh, rookie, came up, you know, third of the way through the season. And, look, this guy's been great. Almost halfway through the year, Bennington comes up. He's been great. You want to talk about guys? O'Reilly, Tarasenko, Jaden Schwartz. Tell you something, these kids are young. They're fast. You got Steen and Pat Maroon, David Perron, Tyler Bozak. Brady Shen, too. He's been really good yeah. for the Blues. And then you got Sunquist. You got all those guys. Blues are just all around. Just a great hockey team. They are. Good forecheck. Good have speed. Have everything. And, of course, you stack them up against these Bruins veteran guys. And Patrice Bergeron, Bacchus, uh, Brad Marchand. Of course, uh, Ma- uh, Chara. Yeah, Tuka Rast, their goalkeeper, is fantastic as well. Crew, Gerzelchek. McAvoy from Long Beach. McAvoy, yeah. They got... Long Beach? Like, this Long Beach? Yeah, Long yes. Island? Yep. Oh, wow. Come on, man. This is, this is not breaking news. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mike. So, game one, the Bruins win 4-2. to two. Uh, The Blues led this game 2-0. Shen and Tarasenko struck early. They found the back of the net. But the Bruins score four unanswered goals, two of them coming from their fourth line. And Curley and Clifton. So, bravo, their fourth line. I feel like the fourth line in hockey is so underrated because nobody talks about it, but it seems like they always come up clutch. I think if your fourth line is good... You have a good hockey team. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That's what the Bruins and Blues have. I mean, they have the two arguably top five most best fourth lines, I guess you could say. It's And it shows in the series. And that's why they're here. Yeah. Both both teams. Oh, now yeah. game two. A game that was, uh, you know, I don't want to say it was similar to game one, but, you know, Wednesday night, uh, there were four goals scored in the first period. So we saw a 2-2 tie going into that first intermission. We did not see a goal again until overtime. And that goal came from Carl Gunnarsson, who scored his first career postseason goal for St. Louis in the Blues' first Stanley Cup final victory ever. They improved their Stanley Cup finals record to 1-13 all-time. Wow. Thanks. I thought you liked that, Tom. I did like that. <laughs> I thought you were going to laugh. Thank you for writing that on, on the script. Yeah. Uh, crazy, huh? Uh, I got to say, right, right now, if I had to pick an MVP of the series through two games, it would be Tarasenko. 
because he scored a goal in each game. Uh, you know, to do that on that level in the Stanley Cup Finals in Boston. Oh yeah. The fact that they took a game in Boston, you know, now it's a huge split. Exactly. Yeah. You have home ice now, so. Now, I, if, I'm sorry. If, no, they, no, if, no, they, you, if they win these two, whew, all pressure on Boston, obviously. Yeah. I, I think my MVP would be Bennington so far. The the amount of great saves this this kid has made yeah. in the series is already in the first two games has been immaculate. That's and a he, good he's kept pick him in the game. Well. That he, is a very especially good pick. in the third period when Boston was surging. Oh yeah, oh yeah, they were bound to score a goal in the third, but yeah. he was he was lights out. And Boston was only one for five on the power play, which is surprising because they had a really hot power number one power play in the playoffs uh, so far that in this playoffs and they did. And Game 3 will be tomorrow night in St. Louis, 8 p.m. start on NBC. The hockey season is coming to an end, and what a better way. Blues, Bruins, two fantastic teams. On that note, we're going to step aside for a quick break. When we come back, we will have our Team of the Week and review the Eastern Conference Final Game 6. You're listening to Review and Preview here on liuwave.org. I don't even know where you're sitting at. Like. <laughs> It is the heart of a champion as the Toronto Raptors take game one of the NBA Finals last night. Good evening and welcome back to Review and Preview, folks, here on liuwave.org. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta, joined alongside Mike Dawes, Kyle Earhart, and Chris Klimazewski. Mind there, you can call in tonight, 516-299-2030. Watch us on Facebook Live for our video cast. Listen to us on liuwave.org. And it is now time, the top of the hour, halfway through our show, time for our team of the week. Kyle Earhart, we will start with you. My team of the week is going to come from the U-20 World Cup. Uh, I'm going to go with Norway for winning 12 to nothing. And... This guy, Holland, scored nine goals in a soccer game, by the way, guys. Okay, I was going to ask soccer lacrosse. I did It says soccer. Okay. Nine goals in a soccer game. That's outrageous. By one player, yeah. Oh, yeah. Usually the games are one nothing. I yep. feel like. Yeah. 12 nothing. Nice. Good one. Mike? Uh, my team in a week is the Toronto Raptors. One game one. The Warriors were 18-1 and one in game ones in the Steve Kerr playoff era before last night, or two nights ago. I don't remember. Last night. Last night, okay. So I'm going to go Raptors because, I mean, they won by 10, I believe. Beat the Warriors by 10, Christian, 10. Okay. Yeah. Okay. My team of the week is I'm going to pick – I'm going to go to lacrosse. Um, say the women's Maryland lacrosse team, they picked up their their national championship. Their second in three years. And I Look, for those that – I know a lot of people don't follow lacrosse and especially women's lacrosse. But this is a very great accomplishment for the Terps this year, so congratulations to them on winning their national championship on Sunday. Nice. Yeah, I yeah. completely agree. And as you know, the men's lacrosse final, Virginia outlasted Yale on Memorial Day. Mm-hmm. My team of the week is the Colorado Rockies. They are on a five-game winning streak. They are back over five hundred. And one of their leaders, Daniel Murphy, is back. Game-winning hit last night in dramatic fashion. I believe it was an 11-10 to victory over the Diamondbacks. And as you see, Murphy had the game-winning RBI single. Good for Murph, man. Uh, great, great to see. 
Murphy has a hit tonight. He's he's great. He has his average back around 250. He was hurt a lot, but you know Daniel Murphy's going to pick it up. He's in a hitter's ballpark. You know Charlie Blackman, whenever he comes back, no, as Kyle Earhart is player of the week. Nolan Arenado, Trevor Story too. That infield is set. I mean, if you look at that infield, guys, Murph, Story, Arenado, it's a deep team. You got oh, Blackman yeah. in the outfield, and if Kyle Freeland can somehow manage to get it going, because he was their ace last year, look out for the Rockies. So, all right, all right, all right. The Toronto Raptors beat the Milwaukee Bucks in six games. They advance to the NBA Finals. Raptors win the series 4-2. Just going to go out and ask this. Open question, open-ended. Is Kawhi Leonard the best performer of the 2019 NBA playoffs? Ooh, of the playoffs. It's tough. That is tough. I would lean, yeah, sure. Yeah. I'd lean, yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, if I, if, I, if I had to put a, a – uh, I'll say yeah, just because he's so well-rounded offensively and defensively, and people forget – how good he was, even when he was on the Spurs when they were making the their playoff runs. This kid, this and, guy is so good, well rounded. I mean, how could you not say? He, and he's a big part of why the Raptors are now in the finals. And the difference between this team now with Kawhi instead of DeRozan, they couldn't win a series with DeRozan. Yeah, and I remember last year, oh, who was the uh, the coach that got they, they fired? Dwayne, Dwayne Casey. Casey. Dwayne Casey. Yeah, you know, you get coached. Yeah, I forgot. I forgot for a sec. You know, he. For the Raptors, you know, making a big move like that, firing the coach of the year to bring in Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse has done a fantastic job as leading this team. I get you could say, oh, you know, last year they didn't have Kawhi, though, but still, this is this is a fantastic Raptors team who are going to put up a, cha- a fight against the Warriors. But hold on. Let's commend Milwaukee on a fantastic season. Oh, absolutely. The only team to win 60 games led by... The soon-to-be MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, but really, the guy, in my opinion, who dominated this series for Toronto outside of Leonard was Pascal Siakam. He was great. Um, Milwaukee, just they, they played fantastic defense. Uh, and really, the only the premier scorer for them in this series, I think, was Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez actually broke a couple of records. In this series, he hit more three-pointers, well, this year, I should say. Brooke Lopez hit three three three-pointers total in his first three years in the NBA. This year, he hit more three-pointers this past year than Kobe ever did in any year. And he blocked more shots than KG, Kevin Garnett, ever did in any year of his NBA career. What do you think about that? So, Brooke Lopez, greatest player of all time? Question mark? I think that's what I added up to, but I mean, <laughs> I mean, he's absolutely wet from three. It's crazy. Yeah, he was. He was it, nasty. It's just, it's crazy. Is that what the kids say nowadays? It just, is. Yeah. Brook, Brooklyn, the house that Brook built. Nice. I thought it was nice. Thank you, that's thank nice you. I, I I appreciate it. Yeah. I got it. I liked it. I'm trying. I'm trying to recover. Look, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm I'm sorry, but. The only players that really showed up in this series yet were Brooke Lopez. Middleton was on and off each game. So was Giannis. Brogdon was okay. Ersan Ilyasova was fantastic in in this series, I think. And so was George Hill. But the problem was nobody else really showed up. Pat Connaughton didn't have a good series. Middleton did not have a good series. And Giannis was surprisingly locked down to the point where 
you know, he was struggling. Yeah, he was and struggling. You could see it. Experience. Where, yeah, exactly. Experience and the Raptors' experience got to them. Kawhi Leonard's a former two-time Finals MVP. Danny Green's on this team. You also have um, Gasol. Gasol's on this team. You know, a bunch of guys who have been in the playoffs before Baca. played the guys on this Raptors team. So the experience comes into a factor. Meanwhile, while the Bucks, I mean, yeah, Giannis is going to get the MVP award. And Chris Middleton's great. Brooke Lopez was filthy, but the experience didn't add up for these young guys. So, and that's what got to them. Kawhi Mia River. Yeah, nice. Pretty much. Uh, but in this game, guys, Fred Van Vliet was really the unsung hero for me. 14 points off the bench. This guy did not met, not get many looks coming out of high school. Fred Van Vliet, a former G League star, uh, he had to earn his way out of Wichita State. Wichita State. Uh, a similar road that Ron Baker took to the Knicks. They are on the same team, too. Yeah, they were on the same team. The team that went to the Final Four back in 2013 against Louisville as a nine seed. Yep. Wichita State, guys, you know, the poor the poor man's version of Kansas. Uh, and look, he's been fantastic. Five of six from the field and he just actually he actually just had a kid recently. Maybe that's the reason why he's been playing on. Uh, you know, sometimes it it, it helps ch- changes like that. But it, to to me, Marcus Sol has been the glue to this team. Ever since the acquisition of Marcus Sol, they have gotten so much better defensively. It's a much needed leader that they need because Kawhi was great early on in the season but there was always something missing there was something missing because Valanchunas I mean he's an okay NBA player but he was part of the problem him and DeRote like they couldn't win playoff series now they're experienced they have a guy who was an NBA finals MVP and Kawhi Leonard he did that when Duncan Ginobili Parker were all on that team also Danny Green is a ring as well. Yeah. They brought two guys with NBA Finals experience. It's a great trade. Fun fact, Dan- Danny Green actually played with Shaq. So, pra- crazy <laughs> enough. That's not the, pretty crazy. Not to show Danny Green's age. Also, fun fact, Danny Green is right down the road from North Babylon, New York. Wow. North Bab High School. You didn't know that? No. I didn't know that either. The Babs. Didn't guys. Babs. <laughs> no, they, they don't call it the Babs? They don't do that. Uh, no. Representing Long Island proud, and you guys uh, didn't know? I had no idea. Well, all right. So, <laughs> Tough. now the question for Milwaukee, guys, what does the future hold for Milwaukee? <clears throat> I think this is a young team that was inexperienced. They got very far in the playoffs. I think there's a bright future ahead for sure. Very I, deep team. I still think, I know they won, they won 60 games. Uh, most wins in the NBA season. I think this was disappointment if you look at it, because they cakewalked through this Eastern Conference. They they even said themselves this would be a cakewalk. Giannis said it himself, and I know Toronto's a good team. Toronto's a great team, not a good team, but you got to feel a little disappointment from this from this Milwaukee team didn't clutch up when they had to. Well, you lost four games in a row. Of course, the disappointment. It's I it's won sixty games like. And in the Eastern Conference, that's a joke for the most part. Milwaukee hadn't lost more than two games in a row at any point this season. And now you lose four straight to the Raptors when it matters the most. The inexperience showed at this stage. Uh, but in terms of the future, I think it's bright. Oh, I think it absolutely is bright. I mean, like we keep, we keep, we keep mentioning, you know, John's going to win the MVP. I mean, you get a couple of guys off the bench to, have, to help him out. 
and you sign back Brook Lopez for maybe another year if he if he wants to stay back. This team is very good. I think they will. They'll only go up from here. I think the problem in this series too was Miritich. Miritich could not score the way he did in the first two series. The lineup changed throughout the entire playoffs. The first round when you're playing Detroit, Milwaukee had the luxury of starting Sterling Brown, which number one was not a fan of. Those starts should have went to uh, Big Pat, but um, in my opinion. But in the second series, clearly Pat showed that he should have started at shooting guard in round one while Brogdon was still out. He had a fantastic Boston series. Brogdon came back, was great. Miritich was great. Those three guys did not play well in the Toronto series. And I'm going to be honest with you. Yes, Giannis got his points. Yes, Giannis got contained and shut down at times. But the reason why Milwaukee lost this series, those three guys that I just mentioned were not able to contribute to the way they did in the first two rounds. Pat Connaughton, um, the three guys I just said, Nikola Nikola Mirotic and um, Malcolm Brogdon. Yes, yeah. I was blanking on the third one. Yeah, I was blanking on there too for a second. But those three guys, those, that they couldn't perform the way they did. And you need a supporting cast. Toronto had that supporting cast. As oh, yeah. good as Kawhi Leonard was, sometimes, you know, Toronto's second star, realistically, I don't even know if you could say it's Kyle Lowry anymore. It might Siaka might have surpassed Lowry at this point. I think so. Lowry. I don't, I don't think Lowry it's official stand. yet. Because Siakam, this could very well be just a moment. I don't think it is, but you never know. I mean, we've seen this in the past where guys rise to the occasion, and then the next year, that was Tatum last year. Tatum rise to the occasion last year for Boston in the playoffs, and this year he was just average. Yeah. Now here's a question. Say the Raptors win the finals. Sure. Is Kawhi staying in Toronto? Yes. I don't think there's a chance. I think his mind's already made up he's leaving. Even, so. even, even even if they win the finals, yeah, I just feel like he, I don't know. I, I mean, this I, would, is I don't his know. Home. This is home now. I mean, he he's welcomed here, he's wanted here. The fans are crazy. Uh, fans you know, home. you believe in the North, yeah. King let, of the North. Let there be North, right? I'd rather t- not talk about Game of Thrones references, but um, <laughs> <laughs> King of the North. I mean, I feel like he's going to a Cali team. I don't know. I mean, that's what I... Feel like I his mind would be made up regardless of what happens. I feel like, you know, if they lose to Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference, I would say, yeah, he's going off to the West Coast. But I feel like if if you win the finals, I feel like, how could you not stay, you know? I don't think this is a pit stop. I don't... I'd be absolutely stunned if he stays. Stunned? I, just I won't be stunned, but I, I won't be stunned if he leaves. stunned that you just said that. I just don't know how... A guy who sat out a season for no reason would have his mind changed where he wants to go for, okay, his reaction distracted me. <laughs> Look, <laughs> NBA Finals MVP back in the finals? That's, yeah, I it's one thing. Young team? All right, I have arguments to that. Who cares? He's going to, he's going to the Clippers. <laughs> That's a statement. That's true. But I don't know. I really don't think he's staying. I don't think a, a four wins in Toronto in a finals would change his mind. I really don't think so. Uh, I, I think winning NBA finals would change his mind. You, you, I hope he wins you so he leaves. Have, right. You have the chance to create history for a franchise in the Toronto Raptors, a team that had never even been to the NBA finals, a team that had never won a finals game, 
up until last night. You have the chance yes, to be the face of this franchise. You won't have the chance in L.A. You won't have the chance with the Clippers. You won't have the chance with the Lakers. And you're in the Eastern Conference, too. You're always going to be overshadowed by Magic, Kobe. I mean, as good as this guy might be, he will get more recognition at the end of the day if he stays in Toronto throughout his career and keeps performing at this high level. I, I just don't I don't see it. But I don't know. Like I won't be shocked if he stays, but I also won't be shocked if he goes. I won't be shocked if he leaves, but I think he should stay. I think he should stay too. But let's say he leaves. What do the Raptors do? Do they blow it up and try to like, restart? Oh, oh, yeah. I feel like I mean, they would. Lowry gets like thirty-five million a year. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, because you, you, you you're not going to. I mean, you'll make the playoffs with Lowry and Valencia Yunus, but you're not going far. No, so, so you just kind of have to not blow it up after that. That'd oh, be insane. Not. You go to the oh, NBA Finals God. and then. One player leaves, you just got to blow up your team. Got traded to Memphis. For, yeah, we, in literally, the we literally broke down that trade like five minutes ago. Oh, whoops. The Gasol trade. <laughs> but, yeah, no, if that would be, like, what do they do if that happens? Yeah, you have to, like, restart. That would stink. Is the Drake curse, not to get into logistics here with what happened last night yet, but is the Drake curse still alive? Yes. Oh, you think so? I know so because he is a just horrendous person and curses will follow him for the rest of his life. <laughs> That's my take on that. He's not making headlines back to back. I feel like that was that was a song reference. Song two songs and one. No, famous. that was a song reference. <laughs> Don't act like you're not a Drake fan. I know you have his poster in your room. Oh, here we got go. a really big. <laughs> <laughs> Look, he's got a really big team with some really big rings. Potentially, Pot- yeah, potentially, potentially. big rings. <laughs> He's got a really big team searching for some really big rings. We'll talk more about Drake and the NBA Finals, but for now, we're going to step aside for a quick break, and when we come back, we will talk about last night's game and preview what's to come in the NBA Finals. You're listening to Review and Preview here on liuwave.org. This is Review and Preview here on The Wave, the sound of LIU. I got, I got, I got loyalty, got royalty inside my DNA. Cocaine corner piece, got war and peace inside my Welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta, joined alongside Mike Dawes, Chris Klimazewski, Kyle Earhart. Great to be back with the co-host here in the studio. Uh, All right, so let's get to those NBA Finals analysis. The last NBA Finals without LeBron James, guys. June 17th, 2010. We were just finishing up our freshman year in high school. The Lakers beat the Boston Celtics 83-79, to which, you know, that was still the average for final scores in the NBA. 83-79 to for their second straight championship. Kobe Bryant, the Black Mamba, won his uh, fifth NBA title, won the finals MVP. Rasheed Wallace started for the Celtics. And Brian Scalabrini, White Mamba, played his yes. last game as a Celtic. Scalabrini! That's how long ago this was. Wow. Crazy, huh? This is Rashid Wallace starting an NBA. Rashid, that go. This Boy, is, don't lie. This has been a decade. It's been a decade since LeBron has not been in the NBA Finals. This is mind-boggling. It's hard to process. Yeah, could LeBron not being in the Finals throw Golden State off? I think it might because you're so used to it at this point. 
you're so used to what you're expecting and what you're going up against. But, however, he hasn't been in the playoffs at all. And if you're Golden State, you're not really worrying about that. I mean, you know he's not in the playoffs. I feel like if he was in the playoffs and lost, it would have been a little bit more of an issue. The fact that he wasn't even in the playoffs, I don't think it's as big as an issue. But do you think it's possibly throwing Golden State off at all? I don't think so. I think Steve Kerr is a better coach than that. And the guys are obviously better players that to prepare themselves, immensely prepare themselves for... Well, it's not, and it's not like, you know, like, oh, LeBron's in the East still. He was in the West, so they knew they weren't going to play him in the finals either way. So I don't think it's it's affecting their their mindset at all. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. Last night, game one, DeMarcus Cousins back in the lineup. Came off the bench, but he, he got minutes. Kevin Durant's still out. He is projected to return midway through the series. Uh, so, you know, we'll see if he's able to make an impact, which I'm sure he will. Uh, we had an Instagram poll. We had 13 votes, and uh, 62% of our voters picked the Toronto Raptors in Game 1. And they'd be right. Right, Todd? Yeah. They, got some, we got some smart were, fans yeah, out there. They were correct. Uh, Mike and myself, we picked the Warriors to win Game 1. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I was, you know what, I was going to lie and say I picked the Raptors, but I was chose to be the better man, and so credit to me. Good for, job. Uh, for Good. not lying about picking the Warriors. Good job. Thank you. I really appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) This was a really awkward game one because normally the home court advantage goes by seeding, but since Toronto had the head-to-head advantage over Golden State this season, the two seed in the East gets home court advantage in the finals over the one seed in the West because of the head-to-head. You usually don't see it unfold that way. I don't know if you guys caught caught on to that at all, but the first two games will be at Scotiabank. Yep. Oh, yeah. So I think this really helps Toronto. I still think Golden State only has to take a game and they'll be fine. Even if Golden State loses the first two, uh, it's Golden State. If any team can come back from 2-0 down, it is Golden State. I was just going to ask, if they go down 0-2, are we, are we nervous? Because did everyone? No. I don't know what we picked, you guys picked, but I would assume the Warriors are going to win. I don't think 0-2 I'd be a little nervous because going back home I feel like, and getting Durant possibly back, they could turn the, it on. They'll, they'll take the next two back yeah, at home. at least. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, Kevin Durant is a big loss, but they're still the, the better team without Kevin Durant. This is still the – if you take Kevin Durant out this lineup, this is the team that won 72 games in a season. No, it's not. The whole team's gone from that team. The whole bench is gone. Did you, did you just say – The starters, at least. Did you just say the Warriors are better without Kevin Durant? I'll tell you what, they, they win game one with here's, Durant. But here's, That's a crazy take. Here, here, is, here, here is the problem with that, okay. arg, that argument. You still have the core players from that 72. That's what, I'm, that's what I was trying you to say. You have Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Andrew Bogut, Sean Livingston, Andre Iguodala. Yeah. Those are really the, the core five or six guys that were a part of that team, I understand. If you look at this Golden State team, it is one of the oldest teams in basketball now. It really is. Everyone is around 30 years old. Draymond just turned 29. Klay Thompson is, I think he still might be 28. He might be 29 now. Curry is 30. Boogie is 29. The bench is old. Bogut's 34. Iggy's 35. Livingston's 34. Yurepko's 31, 32. This is an old team. Yeah. And you got to start think when you have this young, high-flying Toronto, very athletic team 
which quite frankly, they do have NBA Finals experience. Serge Ibaka played in the NBA Finals with the Thunder. Uh, Danny Green and Kawhi Leonard. Marcus Sol played in a Western Conference Final once. So, you know, you start to see this experience line up that this isn't just the same old Cleveland or Miami Heat team with LeBron James in the NBA Finals. Exactly. So. Yeah, they have this team, like you said, Tom has experience. I mean, and that's one of the reasons why they beat the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. So, and it, this experience is going to play into uh, is going to play in good for the Raptors, especially since they got the first two games at home. Mm-hmm. Now, my thing is this too. Um, not only did Toronto take Game One, one eighteen, one oh nine, but I mean. Despite the back and forth, I mean, I feel like a lot of people were pretty convinced that Toronto was going to take this game from the get-go. They just got off to an early advantage. Golden State never really had the lead for a long enough time where you could say, oh, they're going to be fine. I think they only had, like, two leads. Like, they took the lead twice. There was, like, a second quarter thing, and then, like, I think again in a second. But they didn't sniff that since. That was—I definitely agree. That was a nice, nice victory. So let's break down the stat sheet now. Let's do it. Pascal Siakam, first NBA Finals game ever. 32 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists. Uh, flirting with triple-double numbers. Yeah, no, he was easily the best player on the floor oh, last most night. most outstanding he, player last night. He did defensively, too. Offensively, obviously offensively. He outplayed Kawhi, 23-8-5. Fred Van Vliet, remember him? Game 7, unsung hero. 15 points off the bench. No problem. Just doing his thing. Diamond out there. Balling. Oh, yeah. Marcus Saul, who Kyle Russo started hating on a little bit last week. Of course. I know Kyle's not here, but I mean, I 20 points, seven boards. I mean, you know he's going to show up. You know he's going to show up. And he's probably the biggest leader they have on that team. I think he's a bigger leader for them than Kawhi is. He's definitely right the, the big time vet. And also, when did he get a, a disgustingly good three point shot? When did that happen? That is news to me. It's news to everyone. I think at this point, I'm going to be completely honest with you. If you're not an old-fashioned center, you expect almost every player to be able to hit a three in the, in the NBA. Almost every player. Even Yeah, and you would even say Lopez yeah. and uh, Gasol, classic centers. Now they both the, ol- the only players in the NBA that can't really hit threes, Dwight Howard, Jaleel Okafor, <laughs> like Andre Clint, Drummond. Clint Capella, Andre Drummond. DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre Jordan. That's probably it. Mitchell Robinson. Just just uh, like Coley Stein. They're just very bad, like, well, good defensive centers. Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> now, uh, for Golden State, Steph Curry had 34, five boards, five assists. Clay had 21-5. Draymond, 10-10-10 for a triple-double. But I'm sorry if Curry and Thompson, like, First of all, Draymond needs more than 10, especially if Clay's only going to get 21. It's not good enough. Yeah. You know Curry's going to get you over 30 almost every game, especially without Durant out. Yeah, exactly. But Clay yeah. and Draymond got to play better. 21's not good enough for Clay at this stage. It's not. Draymond felt like he missed a million layups towards the end. Well, I don't know about a million. It might be a little um, bit of a It stretch. might be 900,000. He missed <laughs> a lot of layups. It was crazy. And he, you know, for a guy who stinks offensively, you got to hit your layups under the hoop. Well, the problem for me is if you're only going to play Jordan Bell 11 minutes, why not start Kevon Looney and match him up against Siakam and Gasol? Because he was really the only bright spot off the bench for uh, Golden State last night. The only bright spot, all right, Yurepko came in and hit a couple of threes. You would expect that from him because that's what he does. Uh, 
Alfonso McKinney was okay. Livingston, okay. DeMarcus Cousins, eight minutes, three points, all came from the foul line. You know, you would expect him to get back moving. But the concern right now, honestly, if you're going to start a center, it needs to be Kevon Looney. He is, you know, Boogie's not ready to start yet. I really don't see him being ready to start. I think you start Kevon Looney. You take Jordan Bell out of the rotation, as great as he was in the last series. You have DeMarcus Cousins back. Don't be splitting up minutes between those guys. You're not saving Boogie for anything else at this point besides this series. You're not thinking about next year. You're thinking about the present moment and winning the NBA Finals again with the Dream Fab Five lineup. If they're able to all get back and win this series in a possible Game 6 or 7, it could happen, but only if they manage this the right way. I mean, I think Steve Kerr has a plan. I think they were just precautionary measures in Game 1, but Game 2, I expect Boogie to get at least double those minutes, at least. I feel like you got to take a little precaution with Boogie. I mean, because how often he does get injured. I mean, I know it's the NBA Finals. You want to go all out in it. But you got to play a little bit of caution. You don't want him going, like, making a game plan around him and then go him going down in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think Steve Kerr's going to make a game plan around DeMarcus Cousins. Oh, no. But, I mean, it could be he, DeMarcus Cousins is that kind of guy where you could make, like, okay, do this, this, and this and to, to Boogie Cousins. Clearly, the storyline of this game on the court, Pascal Siakam, 32 points, 14 to 17 from the field. But the storyline off the court, Drake and Draymond Green exchanging words after the game. As Kyle Earhart said, they did not seem like friendly words. Uh, What were those words about exactly? Uh, Probably stuff we can't say on air, Tom. (laughs) But I did read Drake's lips, and it definitely said to Draymond, you're trash. So at least that we could say on air. Yeah, I Drake is just an unwanted distraction for Golden State. You see, he has Durant and Curry tattoos that he was wearing in uh, a little uh, elbow band over. Such um, a fraud. And, and he was wearing a, 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 Del, a Del Curry jersey, too, a, a Toronto Del Curry jersey. Clearly wants the attention. That was man. funny. That, that was, that that was, was great. Funny. This guy is just a total fraud. I mean, <laughs> to cover up those tattoos is such a fraud now, move. Yeah, no, definitely a big-time fraud. But, um... <laughs> Now, Dawes, I feel like I have your your answer already, so I don't want you to answer, but I also want you to answer at the same time, if this makes sense. Does Drake play a factor into the Warriors' minds? No. Why should they care about this D, D-list rapper? I think it worked in Milwaukee a little bit with Giannis. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it'll work with the Warriors because they've been there, done that. Okay. And you've had these celebrities with... Le- LeBron, in a sense, I-, I only think this way because Steve Kerr, again, been there, done that. He knows Drake is sitting there, and I think if you take this game two, it won't be a factor because you'll have the next two at home. I think they could easily be up three one if they win tomorrow night, heading back to Toronto for Game Five. So this is something that won't be an issue. At all, once Durant comes back for sure. I, I mean, I, too many stars. He's already in the he's already in the head of Draymond because obviously Draymond after the game was talking beef with him. Yeah. So if he's he's kind of already in the head a little bit. I mean, I don't know if it's gonna be a factor, but you know, 
Draymond talks a lot anyway. Split it down the middle. You know, yeah. one side of the table thinks this, the other side thinks I think that. He, yeah, no, I think Kyle, I'm going to agree with Kyle. I think he is playing just a little bit. I mean, they are, they're, they're definitely hearing him. They're hearing him chirp, of I course. I mean, if these, the Warriors, if they allow this guy to get in their head, they should be ashamed and embarrassed. Come on, you can't let dinosaurs win the NBA Finals. Man, it, and honestly, those fans, by the way, are absolutely nuts. Like oh, the Jurassic Park they have out, outside the stadium. Lined up 7 a.m. to watch the game. Oh, that's, that, 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 that's great oh, to see. They crazy. they totally that's forgot crazy. about their this Toronto This might be the only time they ever get to see it, especially if Kawhi leaves. You never know. Yeah, yeah it's the first, this it's is the true. first outside of America uh, team to make the finals in the NBA. Here's a question. Should Jake be thrown? Jake. Should Drake be thrown in federal prison? I think so. Go. No, no. What he touched Nick Nurse. I want him nice, gone. He's a nice he, massage. No, I was oh, gonna say okay. he well, massaged right. Nick Nurse. <laughs> okay, he's definitely an unwanted di- distraction for Nick Very. Nurse. I think was standing right next to him on the sideline. I don't think Nick Nurse wants him there. I don't know how he. Would. I don't think he cares. I don't think he cares. Yeah. I don't think he cares. Well, I don't. I, but the reason why he doesn't care is because he's not doing it for the other team. That's true. I he would certainly care if it was against his team. I think. Now, do we see Drake? In in Golden State, oh, 100%. I'm sure he'll shove his fat face in the camera. So, um, <laughs> moving on from Drake, will Kevin Durant return in this series and when? I think so. I think it'll be Game Four. Ooh, yep. I, yeah, I say he, I'm not gonna. I say Game Three, just when they go back to Golden State. So, I'm sure they'll get like from Game Four. It's gonna be a huge break. I don't know when the date is scheduled, but. They get lots of days off. If Golden State goes down 2-0, we will see Kevin Durant play in Game 3. Absolutely. If oh. it stays 1-1, I think they'll wait till Game 4. Yes. yes. I, I, yeah, he's playing it like, oh, you guys need me? I'm back then. Because he's, you know, slime ball city. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, next question. Do we actually have a series on our hands here? Like a legitimate series? I think so. I think we do. Game. It's been one game. Oh, man, I don't, I don't think so. Because if Toronto was going to win a game, it's certainly Game 1. Why, why would you say game one? You, you thought since Golden State had the rest and, you know, they're ready to go. Classic you, rest versus rest. And like you said, they were, what, 18? The Kerr is 18 and 18 and 1. 18 and game one. So you, you think Golden State had a pretty better chance. A better chance yeah, but at home, one. just played, I would say that was their best chance to win, and they did certainly capitalize. They dominated the Warriors. The only reason why we have a series is because of these Golden State injuries, I think. Oh, oh yeah, I would agree completely. If Durant's playing completely different now, now I think if uh, if Mike mentioned it before, is it if the Warriors do go down two zero, is this a problem for the Warriors? I don't think so at all. I really don't. Yeah, I still wouldn't be worried down two zero yeah. on the Warriors, which is crazy. Yeah, because a lot of other teams you would be worried, but if you because be, but because you're the Warriors and put on you're putting on one of the greatest dynasties in sports history, mm-hmm. yeah. you, you don't you don't have to be worried. It's just like the it's just like being a Patriots fan. Yeah, you're not worried. So, this series has been funny because um, there's been a lot of players, a lot of younger, no-name guys, if you look back a couple of years ago, a lot of guys you don't really look at. There have been 16 NBA G League alums in this NBA Finals. The Warriors have the following. Jordan Bell, Quinn Cook, Jacob Evans, Damian Jones, Sean Livingston back in the day because he had that gruesome injury early on in his career. That's five right there. You also got Kevon Looney, Alfonso McKinney. That's seven. Seven for the Warriors. Seven guys on their roster played in the G League. How crazy is that? That's awesome. Seven. 
You see, it it shows that the G League does help out with these players. It, it sure does. The Raptors got nine, Chris. They got nine. You re- you ready for this? I'm Chris ready. Chris Boucher, Danny Green, Jeremy wow. Lin, Patrick McCaw, also a former Warrior, Malcolm Miller, Eric Moreland. By the way, these are guys at the end of the bench that don't play for the Yeah, long. no, I never yeah. heard of them. Norman Powell. Pascal Siakam. Wow. Fred Van Vliet. Fun fact. Two years ago, two years ago, on this date from last night, oh. Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam played in the NBA G League final. Fred Van Vliet had 28 points and 14 assists. And Pascal Siakam was the G League Finals MVP. That was fun. Had a lot of fun wow. with that fact. Who wants to That's hear? Crazy. An, who wants to hear another fun fact though? I would. Yeah. Go ahead. Spooky fun. Boogie Cousins is John Calipari's first ever player to play in the NBA Finals. Wow. Right. Yes. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which look, I mean. Calipari has had a recipe for getting these players to the NBA, but he has not had a recipe for having these players really having success in the NBA, which is certainly concerning with this one-and-done method because, honestly, it only works for the absolute best of the best players. It doesn't work for these guys that are good, great. That's why I'm a little concerned about guys like, you know, maybe Cam Reddish or, you know, look what happened to Marcus T. He fell off the map. He fell I, off the map. I don't even know who that is. Exactly. <laughs> Terrence Jones, two years at Kentucky. What about those the Harrison twins? Yeah. They stayed two years at Kentucky, yeah. They stink. Yeah, they were all there. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they were gonna be so good in the I NBA. Know, they were great in college. Greg oh, Odin. God, I hate you. Why'd you call Ohio <laughs> State? Yeah. I mean you wanna come back, you can say Chris McCullough. Oh, what a clown. I can't believe he left. <laughs> Are you still mad about that? That's crazy. So, another fun fact. Steph Curry is the only player to ever hit 100 three-pointers in the NBA Finals. Crazy. I, I love – I well, no, I hate Steph Curry, but his stats are hilarious. Like, no one's going to break these things. I mean, that's just crazy. And every watching him is just funny because he just makes every shot, it feels like, from anywhere. So I like watching him play, but I hate his guts. Will he, will he go down as the greatest shooter of all time? Yes. He's already the greatest shooter of all time. <laughs> no, the, seriously. The three, the three best shooters of all time right now Steph Curry, Ray Allen, and Reggie Miller right now. Okay. And then yeah. I think Clay will. And then I think Clay, Kyle Corver, you know. Sure. Buddy yeah. Hield. Sure. Oh, I agree. I mean, no. Joe Harris just won the three point contest. I mean, oh, this guy. Kyle Corver's been in the league for 15 years. Uh, no, that wasn't a sarcastic. That wasn't a. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Yeah, that was a for sure. So, another fun fact. Oh, tons of fun facts today. I feel like a Snapple factory. 36 years ago, <laughs> 1983 was 36 years ago from yes. 2019. There have been 36 straight NBA finals. So every NBA finals since 1983 has featured at least one player that has played with Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> Shaq played with Danny Green in Toronto in the 2009-2010 season. They were teammates in Danny Green's rookie campaign. That was sweaty Shaq. That must have been 09 Shaq. I feel like every Shaq was sweaty. That's a good point. At this time, before we step aside for our final break of the evening, 
Let's make our NBA Finals predictions and our MVP predictions. The first person on the hot seat will be Kyle E. I'm going to go with Raptors in seven. Ooh. And I want to go with Siakam as MVP. Someone different. Ooh. He's off to a good start. Yeah. Yeah. Mike O. I'm going to go with Warriors in six, even though I have money on them in five. Seems unlikely. And I'll go MVP Durant because he'll save the day. I don't know. Chris. (laughs) Toronto in six with Kawhi as the MVP. Wow. Bold. Bold. Golden State in seven. Clay Thompson. I love it. Ooh, I like it. That'd be cool. On that note, we will step aside for a quick break, and when we come back, we will talk some NBA news and talk some CBA discussion featuring the NFL. You're listening to Review and Preview here on The Wave, the sound of LIU. This is Review and Preview here on The Wave, the sound of LIU. Drake song, Mike. I'm, I'm going to defend Mike real quick. I'm going to defend Mike real quick. That is a tra- uh, Travis Scott song featuring Drake. Oh, I felt it was true. Very true. I felt it was uh, relevant. Good evening, folks. Welcome back to Review and Preview here on liuwave.org. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. Joined alongside Kyle Earhart, Chris Klimazuski, Mike Dawes. 15 minutes to go. Still a little bit more to talk about. We got our Coach of the Year candidates for the NBA. Uh, Mike Budenholzer, Mike Malone, Doc Rivers. I got Boots. This makes a lot of sense for me, uh, considering bringing Milwaukee to 60 wins compared to uh, a sixth seed last year in the playoffs. What do you guys think, Fira, NBA Coach of the Year? I'm going to say Doc Rivers, just on the sole fact that at the beginning of the season, we counted out the Clippers before they, we even knew what they were. And uh, the fact that they really didn't have like you know like a star player on their team. They, I mean, yeah, they had Tobias Harris for most of the year, but he got traded away. And even at that, like they still really didn't have like an amazing like elite player. And the fact that they got they were able to go to the NBA playoffs was amazing. So I, I would say Doc Rivers. Yeah. Okay, that's a good one, Kyle. I, as you said, Tom, I'd go with Boots too. Uh, this. Milwaukee team won 60 games this year. Obviously, should be a coach of the year. But my my runner-up is someone who's not on the sheet, and I'd give it to Atkinson just because he took this Nets team who looked on paper to be just an average team this year, not not good at all, but took them to the playoffs. So that's that's my runner-up would be. like it. Mike? Interesting the Nets fan didn't even mention that. But all right, I'm going to go with Mike Malone. You know, Nuggets were awfully good this year. And, you know, former Kings coach, they fired him, wasn't good enough, takes the Nuggets to, what, the two seed? Hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to go Mike Malone. Sure. Whatever. (laughs) MVP, we got Giannis Harden and Paul George. Going Giannis. I would agree with that. I don't think that's much of a discussion. I think it's a discussion. You think it's a discussion? I mean, 
did we forget how great of a year Hart had had and how, like, 10 games in the regular season, by the way, we're not talking okay. about postseason. Gotcha, gotcha. How, like, 10 games in a row, 15 games in a row, he had 40-plus points, which is impressive. That was insane. But we all know the NBA doesn't like to give back-to-back MVPs, so it'll probably be honest, but my vote would be for Hart. I like it. I can't give a vote to a player who doesn't play defense. That's just me. But his offensive achievements have oh, definitely been outstanding. Oh, yeah. It's like he's double good at offense but just bad at defense, you know. Chris? I'm going to give it to Giannis, honestly. I mean, this kid has time and time again just done an amazing job this year. He's the Greek freak. I mean. What's his last <coughs> name? Oh, Excuse me. Gotta be kidding. What's his last name? What's his last name? You tell me. I'm the one answering the question. Antetokounmpo. Antetokounmpo. Yeah, I can't spell it, though. Who could? <laughs> but, yeah, no, this kid, I, he just defies the odds over and over again, and he's my pick for MVP. Rookie of the year, Luka Doncic or Trey Young? For me, it's Luka. I think it was Luka all year. Trey went nuts at the end. Mm-hmm. Still Luka, though. I got you guys. So like, what was he going to say? But I'm going to say Luca too, just because he was cons- really consistent all year. Trey Young really turned it up the second, yeah. more, more or less, the second half of the year. And he, I mean, did he turn it up? But I'm going to go Luca too. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go with Luca also. All, all all year, he's just amazing. Sixth man of the year: Demontis Sabonis, Lou Williams, or Montrez Harrell. How interesting is this? Oh, you. I picked two players from the same team. I was about to say, two players from the same team have a legit chance because why they're not in the starting lineup, I don't know. But I'm going to go Lou Will. I've been defending him for my whole life on this show. He is one of the best basketball players I've ever seen in my life, and I will die on that hill. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm not going to go on the same rant that well, he's one of the be- one of the best players I've ever seen, but I do like Lou Williams a lot. He is very good and very. I feel like he's underrated, kind of. He makes every shot. He's very, he's very good. I'm going to go with Lou Will yeah. too. I was, was going to go with Lou Williams also. Sabonis, nice. The guy averaged a double double off the bench in 20 minutes a game. Uh, if he starts, he could easily do 20 and 20. His his father played for Portland back in the late 90s, early 2000s. This is just my opinion. In my eyes, Lou Williams is, is a starter because he did start a lot of the games in the second half of the season, although they like that combination of Alexander and Bradley. Yeah. And in my opinion, DeMontis Sabonis right now is the best bench player in basketball. If we're talking best bench player of all time, I'd give it to Lou Williams, considering to, yeah. what, what he did in <laughs> Philly as well. Yeah, Montrez sure. Harrell, in my opinion, most underrated player in basketball because now Siakam's no longer flying under the radar. Uh, he's going sky high into the oh, zone. Yeah. He's turning into a star. I got to give it to Sabonis because he's been fantastic. Kid out of Gonzaga on a Pacers team that missed Old Depot a lot. And Sabonis was a big part of the reason why they finished where they did, fifth seed in the East. You know, I definitely can't knock that pick for sure. Defensive player of the year, Giannis, PG-13, or Rudy Gobert? I'm going Rudy. Yeah, I would agree with that. He's the only... D first guy from that list, so I would lean Gobert. Chris, yeah, I would also. That's where I was also leaning Gobert. Kyle, oh, I don't want to be the same as guys, but I'm going to go with Giannis. Actually, nice. I'm going to be Giannis. I mean, Giannis obviously the guy's a beast inside, man. Oh, yeah. A lot of the, the the highlights this year of his blocks were absolutely insane. He's like 
a stud rim protector and a stud yeah. perimeter guy. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Two steps to get there. It's crazy. Most improved player, Pascal Siakam, D'Angelo Russell, or De'Aaron Fox? I'm going D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, I'm also going to go D'Angelo Russell. And that's not counting the fact that De'Aaron Fox is putting up, was lighting up the stat sheet this year. De'Aaron Fox is such a good player, but the way D'Angelo Russell just took over the Nets, I mean, he's phenomenal. I'm so happy he's on the Nets. You know what? I hate you. Going Fox. (laughs) Too fast. You can't catch him. He do be too fast. He's I mean, way too fast. He's so good. <laughs> De'Aaron Fox way is so good. Fast. I'll go Fox. I mean, you call this man an animal? Yes. He's a fox. Yes. He is. Yeah. Oh, God. Kyle. <laughs> yeah, I'd go D'Angelo Russell, too. He just, in the middle of the year when the Nets needed a, a, a pickup, he, he, he turned into a star under Atkinson. He did. I like it. He's so good. Good picks, guys. Uh, other big news, of course, with the NBA draft coming up. The Knicks possibly considering uh, trading out of the third spot to get picks 8 and 10, where 3, they could easily tab R.J. Barrett. Other new, well, the news with Duke now is that Javin Delorier will return for a senior season and Marcus Bolden will stay declared in the NBA draft. I think that's a mistake. I wish he would stay. Bolden. Why? Because he, you know, he was a little hurt last year, but he, you, the difference maker he is, and I mean, I'm kind of a Duke stan. I kind of like Duke. So, I think I think college basketball is a what you were you were remember that UNC game. Listen, I like Zion. I caught Zion fever, and the NCAA is good when Duke is is number one evil team. It yep. just is. It has to be. So I wish he'd stay, but if he can get one contract, you know, it's a it's the right move. So whatever. And then they have four or five new freshmen coming in this year. Matt yeah. Hurt, one of them. So. You know, they have new guys, and you have returning players in the captains, Delorier and White, Goldwire and O'Connell, and, of course, I think the leader of this Duke team next season, Trey Jones. Yeah, he's got to be. He's, he was he was, he was was very good last year. He I was. think he'll be great this year. He's yep. smarter than his older brother because Tyus not doing too much in yeah, the he's, NBA. He's he a sticks. solid backup at best. <laughs> That's true. All right, very guys, true. so this R.J. Barrett deal with the Knicks, you know, I mean, I think it's bogus. I really do, but I wouldn't be. I wouldn't put it past the Knicks. The Knicks would be clowns to trade away the third overall pick. Just because they're not getting Zion doesn't mean anything. You still have the opportunity to get either R.J. Barrett, John Mormon, or <laughs> I got my Game of Thrones references still in my head. Still, um, but yeah, you know who I'm talking about. John Him, Morant, yeah. yeah, Morant, and Cam Reddish. Three solid players who you can all build a team around. And if the fact that if they're going to get R.J. Barrett, there's no need to trade out of that pick. I mean, you can build around R.J. Barrett, and that's who the Knicks need. You need someone who you can build a team around. You thought you had that with KP. You traded him away. Build around R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, or, or John Mor- uh, Morant. See, that's where I disagree. I actually don't mind the Knicks trading down because – if they can get a player in like Durant, which is the rumor that he is coming, he isn't coming, I'm going to assume he is coming. But if you can get two picks late in late in the top ten, I think I think it's I, for a team, even if they don't get Durant, it's just getting you build through the draft. And I know the Knicks haven't had the best of drafts, but you build through the draft. And even the top five picks in the last four or five drafts haven't even been good players. Facts. But and but you need the Knicks need bodies, dude. Yeah, yeah, and, the and, Knicks and, need and that, that's bodies. But when has anyone really outside the top 
seven really succeeded. Steph Curry. Really succeeded. You Kawhi just Leonard. Named... You here's, can name... <laughs> here's, here's Chris's argument, and I see where Chris is coming from. In a traditional NBA draft where, you know, you're stacked with talent, right? Of course. This is a stacked talent draft, though. Well, I don't it, know. It, 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 that just contradicted your whole argument. Let, let me rephrase that. Stack talent in the top five. Okay, here's here's my thing. After the after the number three overall pick, nobody cares who you take. Yeah, nobody cares. After the number three overall pick, the draft is basically over. <laughs> it's it, it. I mean, it's not over, but in my opinion, I, I really don't see a reason to lose out on one of these three guys. Is R.J. Barrett the real deal? We don't know that. We don't but know if Zion's a, gonna be the a real more high-productivity opportunity of R.J. Barrett. And this, is this, in my opinion, best two-way player in the draft. R.J. Barrett? Yeah. I think so. He's very best good. Best two-way. I, th- Ooh, I think he has the highest game. ceiling only because of the way the league is right now. He defines that stereotype. And I think the Knicks need that guy. I mean... They they can't miss out on R.J. Barrett. In my yeah, opinion. You, yeah, exactly. You, he can play the two. It's not often that you know a lot. You get good players in those in those like like Tom said after like the third pick. It's not often. It, it happens every once in a while, like Mike said with Kawhi Leonard, Steph Curry, Paul George, and guys like that who were dra- who drafted in the mid rounds in the in the middle of the first round. But more than often, these the guys who were drafted like five or later are not that good see i I don't know i i like deandre hunter i think he could be a great pro i think culver from texas tech could be a very good pro i i I think this draft obviously darius garland the point guard for vandy i i I think this draft's actually low-key good with talent i agree with that i just think the significance of the drop-off considering how good these top three really are is the reason why the Knicks shouldn't trade out. But, you yeah. know, it's good to have an argument like that. I say, yeah, build around R.J. Barrett or Cam Reddish or John Morant as much as you can. They're not getting John Morant. Stop no. I'm, I'm, just just saying, it, I'm just saying <laughs> if he does, you know. Yeah. And plus, the Knicks do have Dennis Smith Jr. there, who's oh, a one. pretty decent point guard. As Mike Dawes would say, the Knicks have, like, a million point guards. They do. So, <laughs> <laughs> a year ago, they had a million centers. Now they have a million point guards. Which, by the way, should have never traded away Willie Hernan Gomez. Awful. Mm. They traded that to please him. Anyway, uh, let's get some NFL news quick. Three minutes left in the show. The CBA wants to shorten the preseason to two games and make the regular season 18. What do we think about this? Hate we'll it. go around the horn quick. I hate it as well. Hate it. First off, it would ruin all the stats and history. And also, the player. why would the players want this? For like more game checks? I don't know. No, I think I think it's just the players would want this just so yeah, maybe more game checks and plus like you see it does suck when you see some guys some top guys get injured during the preseason. So I think, I, I think this is only for the owners for an extra two games regular season revenue. It's for money. Oh obviously, exactly. yeah. Money. Oh obviously. This is yeah. definitely a loot loss for the players. I think happens. it's a lose lose for the NFL. I agree. Hate it. I, I still think they should shorten the preseason. I think four games is just too much. I say I mean, maybe two, three. The four, there's no I, reason for the four well, games. Here's my thing. You got to chop from 90 to 53. Like, Yeah, that's the only on. way. Like, you get, The preseason is where you do see some of these guys uh, show out. And, for example, you know, for the Giants, Victor Cruz was one of those guys. He's a practice squad guy. He showed out during the pre during the preseason and he blew up. And there won't be chances. You only have two chances now to show. Exactly. So on the big 
preseason is valuable. Yeah. It really is. People enjoy preseason. And for the Jets, if if it is only two preseasons, we would never have possibly Robbie Anderson as a, as a star wide receiver for the Jets. Oh, he's not a star. There's no, there <laughs> there, there star. is no Victor Cruz if the preseason is two games. Victor Cruz, one of the best receivers the Giants ever saw. There's no Victor Cruz. There's no Robbie Anderson. There's no Adam Thielen. There's not, not a lot of bunch of these guys. There's no Chase Blackburn. There's no Damian Harrison. <laughs> Sorry. Also, if they do that, what are they going to trade the players for? Like, you know, the players would get something yeah. of value back for that. So that'd be interesting. The other funny thing, guys, the Jets GM situation. This is kind of hysterical. There's rumors about Joe Douglas all but done, and now just a couple hours before the show, they're interviewing an executive from Seattle. So I, I don't know what's going on at this point. You guys are Jet fans here. What do you think about this monstrosity? You know, I thought I was like, you know what, we're good. We're not the laughing stock of New York football teams right now. We're not it. And then the and then the Jets do this. I'm just like, are you kidding me? At first, I hated it, but McCagnan had to go. He stinks. No, that's stinks. I, no, I'm fi- I was all fine with McCagnan going, but do it before we hire a head coach yep. and make all these draft picks, sign all these guys. That's do it saying. before then. I was I in. I didn't care if he got fired or not. Just do it before all that and see what we can do now. Made literally no sense. Didn't make any sense. I think the bill, the Bills did almost the same thing a couple of years ago, and I was like, Are you? I laughed in the Bills' face when they did that, and now I'm laughing at myself because I'm like, come on, man. Jets, we had our opportunity to be the not laughing stock football team for once, and then oh, Before blew. I get to Kyle's final thoughts, I'm just going to say this. Try not to laugh. If Tom Brady plays till he's 50, he will win this division. Till he's fifty, hard no. I would, I would give it a hard. I feel like Sam I would can agree. Get a division title somewhere. Just sneak one in there. On that note, we'd like to thank everybody for tuning into our show tonight, watching us on Facebook Live, listening to us on the Wave. On behalf of Chris Klimazuski, Mike Dawes, and Kyle Earhart, I'm your host Tom Scavetta. Tonight's production assistants were James Montefusco, Kyle Russo, Kyle Earhart. Technical operations by Mike Dawes. You've been listening to Review and Preview here on The Wave, the sound of LIU. Good night, everyone.